If you can make your way back to your seats, we're going to get started. And um, open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're entering into this wonderful Old Testament book in our series, Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. And this is the opening message in the book of Deuteronomy. And I'm looking forward to getting into this together with you. Deuteronomy 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, and we're going to read through to verse 8. So let's read God's Word together. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness, in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hezeroth, and Dizahab. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. After he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth, and Adrii. Beyond the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country and in the lowland and in the Negev and by the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. The title of the message this morning is New Generation, Same Scriptures. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much that as one generation passes into another, you remain the same, and your word remains the same. I pray you would impress that truth upon our hearts today as we prepare to enjoy our Koinonia fellowship lunch after the service. We're looking forward to to eating together there, but Lord, would you please fill us and feed us here through your word and uh, touch our hearts in Christ and strengthen us and even prepare our hearts for communion as we prepare to take that at the end. We love you so much, and we ask that you would strengthen our faith through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, our, our family really likes to uh, take uh, road trips, and uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, happened recently was we had an extended road trip, and, uh, you know, you just, you can really learn to enjoy the journey of things when you come up with ideas like my wife Shannon came up with, and so I want to share with you this fun little family story, and I hope uh, you get a kick out of it. Um, Shannon came up with this idea that when we would stop at the rest stops, we would really kind of like in NASCAR mode, look at them as sort of pit stops where we would kind of get out of the van and we would uh, shut the van and then we would hit the stopwatch on the phone and then we would all just just break loose and run into the bathrooms as fast as we could and kind of take care of what we needed to take care of and then run back out like lightning to get out, and then the, the, when the last person got into the van, and the van was, uh, everybody was in, we'd hit the button and see if uh, we could just break our record from the last time. And uh, we were realizing as we got into this, but there was just different obstacles that would hit, hit us during the way. So we got in like the 130s and 140s, and um, and we just got stuck there, and we realized, and we started telling the kids, and me and Shannon were telling ourselves, sacrifices are going to need to be made if we're going to break this record. And so uh, this idea got into our heads and, you know, started talking to the kids about, you don't need to wash your hands. We have wipes in the car, kids, and you don't have to do that. And so we just kind of started thinking through some things like that. And then um, you, you might have to cut through the grass instead of taking the sidewalk. And if there's a little hurdle that you need to jump, you might need to jump that. And it's time to kind of own up to some of the realities of what shortcuts you can take to help uh, sacrifice for the team. And so uh, as as we were doing this time and time again, we were just starting to realize that different things would come up. We, we would go in and then you know there would be a line and, and it would just uh, be frustrating. But I'll tell you, we learned all along the way up and down 95 that there's a way to just kind of 
navigate this, and I realized it started with me. I had to find the prime parking spot right in front of the rest stop and give us the shortest run distance to get in there. And um, the last one, there was just a zeal in the family to break the previous record. And we all, like gangbusters, broke in there, got done, ran back out, and uh, we got one minute and 12 seconds. Um, and I just, I just had to share that with you. We accomplished the Etter family record. Um, and uh, there may have actually been a few 95-year-old CB Etters knocked over in the wake of our running back and forth, uh, but it was worth it. We looked back and we saw a bunch of uh, older folks laying on the ground because we barreled them over on our way back to the van. But, uh, but hey, sacrifices have to be made in order for uh, the family record to be broken. <laughs> it was a sweet time, and we loved making up fun little ideas like that to enjoy each other and... Uh, it was great seeing the sacrifices, hearing the kids talk about different sacrifices that needed to be made. Well, I wouldn't say it was always great to hear some of the sacrifices that were made, but, uh, but it was fun nonetheless. Uh, the journey can be a real delight, and, uh, but it's always wonderful when you get done a long journey on the road to arrive home and to get there safely and to be able to get settled. And when we look at the book of Deuteronomy, we, we see the people of Israel really at the end of their wilderness wanderings, the 40 years in the wilderness that they were delivered out from Egypt. They spent 40 years in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, and they're right on the verge of entering into the promised land and receiving the inheritance and the promised possession of the promised land that the Lord had promised to Abraham many years before. Um, the Israelites faced many, many hard things, but here they are on the verge. And so the book of Deuteronomy, just by way of background, brothers and sisters, is a fascinating book um, because it's set right here in Deuteron- Deuteronomy 1. We see that uh, it's, it's in verse 3, in the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month. So this is really, in a sense, almost like the, the second Timothy letter of Moses. He's about ready to die and um, before he dies, he's got a zeal burning in his heart to impress the law of God on the next generation of Israelites. Their, their, their fathers had sinned and had rebelled against the Lord and, and were kept in the wilderness for the 40 years. And this is the new generation, and Moses is burdened to make sure that the words of God get conveyed to the next generation. So it's got real relevance to us as, as, as a church family, because we're, we're also jealous to make sure that the next generation receives the word of God from us. And so Moses is really burdened to do that. The word Deuteronomy um, in ancient Greek actually means second law. It's like a second giving of the same law of God. And so that's really where the uh, Deuteronomy comes from is the ancient Greek word. In the Hebrew, uh, the book Deuteronomy means these are the words. And I just love that. These are the words. And when I think of a new generation and same scriptures, the Hebrew word for the book of Deuteronomy, these are the words, is a very, very apt but very fitting description for us as a local church as we look at our Bibles today. And I'm going to get into that in more detail as I get into point two. In the, in the message, but we're going to look at three points this morning. The first is new generation, same Moses. Number two, new generation, same scriptures. And then thirdly, new generation, same God. So let's look firstly at new generation, same Moses. Uh, Moses here, it, it's, it's really uh, amazing, but he had just really received not too long prior to this the the Lord told him that because Moses didn't hold uh, the Lord up as holy before the people at the waters of Meribah, and instead of speaking to the rock, Moses and Aaron, and Moses really representing the two of them, struck the rock twice and, and really in anger called the people of God rebels, but didn't listen to the Lord, didn't obey the Lord who said speak to the rock, but instead struck the rock twice 
the Lord in His grace brought the waters out kindly by His grace, but one of the repercussions of that was that Moses was not allowed to enter up into the promised land. And uh, it's a very, very sobering reality when you look at what happened with Moses because he has this desire to go into the promised land and the Lord tells him that you're not going to go into the promised land. The next generation's going to go in, but you are not going to go in. Uh, you'll see it from a distance. I'm going to take you up on a mountain before you die. You'll see it, but you're not going to go in. And it was really a, a, a longing of Moses to want to see the promised land. He was, and also to go into it. And he, he really pleads with God to allow him to go into the promised land. And the Lord just says to him, if you look in Deuteronomy chapter 3, uh, it says, verse 23, I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, Oh Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan the good hill country, and Lebanon. And it says in verse 26, but the Lord was angry with me because of you. So Moses is talking to this, uh, this generation of Israelites and saying that the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. And what... He actually charges him instead, if you look at verse 28, but charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. And so he gives this charge to Moses to transition the, the leadership over to Joshua. Joshua's going to see it. Moses, after everything he had done to guide the people through, was not actually going to go into the land but only see it from a distance. This was like a longing that Moses had that was not fulfilled in his life. And I began to really meditate on this in relation to new generations, same Moses. When the Lord brought down the gavel and said that you're not going to enter the promised land, what is so noteworthy about Moses is that he still serves God even when things don't go his way. Moses still serves God even when things don't go his way. And that is an application, brothers and sisters, for each one of us to embrace into our own souls. When circumstances change, does our passion for God change? Or does our passion for God and our desire to serve His people remain the same? Moses, there was a constancy in him that is so striking here, brothers and sisters. And I can't wait to get into it as we get into the book more, because today's going to be more of an overview, and I'm so looking forward to it, but one of the applications on this point one is loving God and serving His people even when the story doesn't go the way you had hoped. And even when the people of God sinned against Him and affected His ability to go in, he still does everything he can to help the next generation to have everything they need to glorify God when they get into the promised land. Oh, by the way, just a reminder that they're going to see, but he's not going to see. I think it could have been very easy after all that he had done for the Lord to give way to bitterness, perhaps, over not being able to see this longing that he had satisfied. And it's, it's an important point just to kind of not rush past and this is another one. People are going to fail us in life. And God's people even, as dear as they are because they've been bought with the precious blood of Christ like Acts 20 says, and we should always look at God's people, the church, as precious and as dear. That's the way the Lord wants us to have as a perspective toward our brothers and sisters. But there are going to be times, and Moses experienced this, they provoked and tempted him to anger, to strike the rock. And he actually says that to them there in, 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 in uh, chapter 3 when he says, the Lord was angry with me because of you. you. You provoked, you tempted me. But he didn't allow that truth and that reality to cause him to back off and distance himself from the people. He gives them all of his heart in this book. 
as he prepares the next generation of going into the wilderness and taking possession of the promise. What a godly, godly, humble man. That's why the Scriptures uh, comment about Moses being the humblest man that was living because there's a real evidence of humility here in his life. Um, When people let you down, when even God's people let you down and uh, will at times tempt you to anger or tempt you to disobey God in your attitude, and uh, it might even bring negative consequences into your own life. God will never fail us. And we need to have our eyes on God. If you focus, and if I focus on people, we're going to be let down, and we're going to be much more tempted to react out of the flesh. But if we focus on God, we will never be let down by God. And I think Moses kept his eyes on God. You see, even as he's talking to God in Deuteronomy 3, verse 23, he's talking about God very very tenderly and lovingly and magnifying His greatness and His glory and and even after the Lord says, don't speak to me about this matter again, enough of this, he doesn't grow hard in his heart toward God. He, he gives God everything, and he gives this next generation his everything. And I'm really moved by this example. You know, it really says something, brothers and sisters of Christ's community, it really says something when a brother and sister in Christ bears up underneath of some serious pain and even personal loss, through either circumstances in their life or even at the hands of God's people. And and yet they never lose their love for God. And they do not lose their love for His people. But instead, it only grows. Oh, that's powerful. And very rare today. We live in a generation where if somebody wrongs us once, we can kind of put them on our hit list and distance ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not going to have anything to do with these people anymore. And you don't see that heart here in Moses. Let us have a gracious and forgiving disposition and be kind to one another, like Ephesians 4.32 says. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32 His heart for God and His heart for the people only grows. And, and then afterward, He does all He can to secure their future well-being. That's Moses. And let that also be us. Let us be moved, brothers and sisters, by his example. Let us allow the disappointments and the dashed hopes and let it, let it not break our spirit towards serving God and serving his people. Let us be found faithful when the story of our lives doesn't play out exactly the way we had written it in our own minds. There's something about, I think, when we get to heaven and brothers and sisters have have served God in that way, and have had broken hearts and yet continued to serve God and His people anyway, the well-done, good and faithful servant that's going to ring off of Christ's lips for the brothers and sisters who have labored hard to do that, that is going to be a beautiful moment. And Moses does not slip back into apathy or to sort of a cynicism and start to distance himself. Rather, no, you know what? He leads God's people to go and fight God's battles. What's cool is when we're getting into Joshua, we're going to see Joshua laying out kings left and right and the people of Israel rising up and God moving in power, showing His, His, His power to bring judgment on the earth in, in the book of Joshua. But here we see the very first battles belong to Moses. Defeating Og and Sihon. These Amorite kings, these Gentile kings that were sort of like the very beginning kings that ended up being the very land where Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh ended up having their possession. Moses led them in the battle. So glorious. In his old age. And let us be brothers and sisters in Christ. Men and women who, as Jill shared this, this morning from the ministry, Mike, not just when we're young, but also when the gray hairs abound. Let us not grow slack in our zeal. But let us be fervent in zeal, serving the Lord. Amen? Excellent. New generation, same Moses. Moses remains the same, constant toward God, constant in his love for God's people. And what a difference he made. We have the book of Deuteronomy, in part because Moses didn't give way to bitterness. That's awesome. 
And the Lord did that in his life. And it's only his grace, and it's only his grace in us. But I'm, I'm moved, brothers and sisters, by this example, and I want to emulate his example as well. Thank you for the way you shine for Jesus like that also. And point two, new generation, same scripture. Same word. Same Torah or law. Instruction, Torah means in the Hebrew. The, the same scripture is, is given to both. If you look at Deuteronomy 1, verse 3, again, where it says, here's the instructions, in the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commitment to them. There was something that the Lord had given, and Moses is faithful to discharge, giving a reminder of the law of God. And it's striking again and again and again that when he goes to teach the next generation, it's a new generation, but it's the same Scriptures that Moses is impressing upon the people of Israel who are the next generation about to go into the Promised Land. And there's something for us to learn about this. Repetition is good. Joshua Sarita often says to our crossfire parents and teens, and I love when he says that, um, the, the application in relation to this, and you're going to see this as in Deuteronomy 5, Moses repeats the Ten Commandments. And you, know, you think about this in your quiet times. You read it in Exodus 20, and you get into Deuteronomy, you're like, why is there repetition again? Well, you understand why when you understand the context of Deuteronomy. This is a new generation about ready to go in and take possession of the Promised Land. They need to know the law of God. And it's important for God's people to be reminded of the law of God. It, here's an important principle. God's Word is the same even through changing times. And this has huge relevance for us, Christ community, because there are so many people, and you'll hear this type of language when people talk about kind of growing up in the church and then when they become adults or maybe they drift away from God and they drift away from the church, they'll use such, this is such a sad expression, they'll say, I grew up. As if somehow this book is for Sunday school classes for kids and not for the grown generation of godly men and women to go and fight God's battles. Ideas like that are from the enemy, from the evil one. You'll also hear often today, as you read through the Old Testament and the New, where God's Word is clearly laying down what is good and evil, and what should be practiced and what should be forbidden, You'll hear many people, when Scripture is cited in the culture, say something sarcastic like this. Now, come on, get with the times. No. This is God's timeless, unchanging Word. It is evergreen, ever new. It's, it's, it's ancient, and yet it is, it's like a new bestseller off the bookshelf, brothers and sisters. It's, it's always living and active in a way that no other literature is ever living and active, as Hebrews reminds us. And so our job isn't to get with the times, it's to get with the Word. To know God's Word and love it and cherish it. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits, Daniel 11.32 says. And we know God, and we get to know God better through looking at his word, and there's a wealth of this in Deuteronomy. I can't wait to see the character of God jump out to us in full bloom as we look at the book of Deuteronomy together. I've just been enjoying studying it, just building up to the beginning of this series, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this next series of sermons and how God's going to touch us. And you can follow along in our Bible reading plan heading into November. Um, and, and I'm just so thankful, church, for your hunger for the word, and I'm believing that as we study God's Word, we're going to grow in our passion for Christ. Remember, God's Word is ancient, but it's ever new. And it does not change with the shifting sands of culture. The culture may change, and it will change, and it will say that the things of the Word of God are archaic and just not even worthy to be entered into conversation. We must hold firm. And young people, I want to appeal to you and 
and help you to understand that by knowing God's Word, you will be able to be relevant in ministering the Gospel in any culture. So much thought is given today about you need to study culture, study culture, study culture. No, study the Word and you will be relevant and powerful in any culture. We don't need to get with the times. We need to get into the Word. And of course we're going to know the times. We're all products of our American culture. We know the culture. We're living and breathing it every day. But it's those who know God's Word who are able to bring fresh air into that discussion. And so let us cling to the Word of God. You see this uh, also just in, in, in it being the same Scriptures. I, I, I'm just struck by this. In Deuteronomy 10 you see this where God reminds Moses that when you came down from the mountain with the first set of the Ten Commandments, you, you broke them because you in your righteous anger in that moment were so angry over the rebellion of the people by the golden calf that you broke, you broke the, uh, the first tablets. And then I, I gave you new ones. New tablets, same exact words. It's not, let's update things for the next generation. No, it's the, 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 the first generation passing on to the next generation the same Word of God and the same Gospel, brothers and sisters. I, I heard one uh, Christian say this, and it's really stuck into my soul. Christians need to be reminded of what they already know more than they need to learn new things. Christians need to be reminded of what they already know more than they need to learn new things. And you know, brothers and sisters, you see this bear out. It's not just only in the Old Testament with the law of God being written and, and transmitted from one generation to the next. The same law, the same feasts, the same promises recited over and over again. We need to see the glory in that, but you also see it in the New Covenant as well. We are about to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, He said, do this in remembrance of Me. And the visible words of the Lord's Supper in communion, the broken bread and the cup, remind us of the same thing Again and again and again, the precious gospel of our sufferings of our Savior. I had mentioned last week in the sermon how it's so important for us not to ever lose our grip on the gospel and to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ remains the matter of first importance in our church. You know, something we don't often think about in relation to this, we often think of 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6, where that is clearly delineated in in scripture and explicitly stated and that would be enough i think it should affect us that when jesus put something forward for his people to remember him by he chose the lord's supper and he chose broken bread and he chose wine to signify and to symbolize his body being broken for us on the cross and his blood being shed to atone for our sins on the cross he wants that Christ wants that to be remembered by us again and again and again. And that has been the focal point, those visible words. In the elements of communion, for the last 2,000 years, in local churches all around the world, and in every new church that gets planted, into every new nation, in every true church, the Lord's Supper is ministered. So that through the preaching of the Word, but also through the visible words and the partaking of the elements of communion, God's people would always be reminded of the same thing again and again and again. It reinforces the point that I just made that God's people need to be reminded of what they already know more than they need to learn new things. The reason this is important is because you will have whole branches of teaching in the church even today where God's people are taught to always be looking for something new and novel 
And where it's at is the new word from God. Brothers and sisters, it's the wisdom of the Lord, and you see this in the Scriptures, look to the ancient ways. Look to the ancient, but the new bestseller ways of the Lord that are already recorded for us in sacred Scripture. Let us not be a people constantly thirsting for what's new or the next wave of teaching. What's out there? What's popular? What's a bestseller that I can maybe get some fresh vibe off of? No, the vibe is the Gospel of Jesus Christ and understanding the Word of God and going deeper and deeper and deeper into the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and in the character of our awesome God, brothers and sisters. And we find that in Holy Scripture. And so I'm really moved by that point. It's a new generation and the same Scriptures. Parents, this ought to encourage you as you're seeking to raise your children. Grandparents, let this encourage you as you're ministering to your grandkids. If you know God's Word, you are never out of touch. You are always a live wire for God. Because one word from God can light your grandchild up and change their life and their soul forever. And I love that God's Word, and only God's Word, has this kind of power. It's only God's Word that is living and active. Every other piece of literature you ever write is or read, it, it, it's a dead letter on the page. But this book, it, it's alive and it lays hold of you, one Christian says. And I love how the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, lays hold of our hearts. And scriptures that we've read a thousand times, we read it again on the one thousand and first, and it grips us. Only God's Word does that. And let us grow in our excitement for the Word of God more and more as time progresses along. Deuteronomy chapter 12, if you look at verse 32 of chapter 12, says this. And this is going to sound familiar. You're going to, this will remind you of a passage in Revelation in verse 32 of Deuteronomy 12. Everything that I command you you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. We are to hold fast to the Word of God. We are to hold fast to, as Jude says, the, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. We're not to look for something new. We're to look for what is true. And we have what is true in Holy Scripture. And I love how Moses isn't looking to teach something novel to the next generation. He takes them back. He takes them back to the Ten Commandments given many years before at Mount Sinai. He takes them back to the feast of the Passover. You can think of the Passover feast. It reminds them constantly of God's saving power and His redeeming power, similar to the way communion reminds us of Christ's redeeming saving power for us in the New Covenant. And Christ is our Passover lamb, as 1 Corinthians 5 talks about. And I love that description of Christ being the fulfillment of the Passover feast and where we see Christ all over the Old Testament. Brothers and sisters, not only does he remind them of the commands, and not only does he remind them as well of the feasts, but Moses also reminds them again and again of the precious promises that God has made to Abraham. You think about this in verse 8. Think about this moment. Look at verse 8 of chapter 1. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring. To give to them and their offspring. There's that word offspring again. Abraham, in you and your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Offspring refers, we see in Galatians, to Christ, that the offspring or the seed of the woman that was going to crush the head of the serpent is brought up again and again and again. And whenever you see the word offspring used in this context, it's talking ultimately about Christ and all of those who are united to Jesus Christ together in faith through our union with Christ. It's such a happy truth, but one we must take to heart. Verse 8 reminds the new generation to take possession of the land. 
The promise was made many hundreds of years before this. And here is an instance, brothers and sisters, where we see a promise kept. Because through this book, we are going to see God's people right on the verge, and then when we get into Joshua, they enter in and they take possession of it. That is meant to give every one of us in this room hope who are Christians that God has never backed out or not fulfilled any one of His promises. And when God gave His promise to Israel that He would give them the land, you can put Egypt over top of them, grinding His people, like Scripture says, like as in an iron furnace of slavery, oppressing them, completely slaves and powerless to get out from it put the most powerful nation on the earth on top of them, oppressing them with an iron will to never let them out. And there's no way that promise ever gets fulfilled but God. But when God moves, He comes with mighty acts of wonder and judgment, and He breaks Egypt's will. He brought His people out powerfully. He crushed Pharaoh's army And he sustained his people miraculously through the wilderness. And here they are on the verge of entering in. What a happy, happy moment. And this is similar to us. These are the last days the book of Acts talks about. And the last days are the days from the time of the ascension of Christ all the way to the time of the return of Christ. We've been in the last days here since Jesus ascended and we're awaiting his return. And We are on the verge, likewise, of entering into the promised land, brothers and sisters. And so the book of Deuteronomy has great relevance for us and for you and your journey. And I'm excited to study this book together with you. Kids, I'm looking forward to studying this book together with you and enjoying Christ in the book of Deuteronomy. Because it's not just new generation, same Moses, and new generation, same scriptures. But it's a new generation, same God. Same God. And I just want to read this portion of Psalm 26. If you could open to Psalm 26, verse 24. And if I could have the ushers begin to hand out communion at this time, that would be great. Thank you, ushers, for serving us communion. New generation, same God. Psalm 26 is our closing passage for this Psalm 26 verse 24 if you look in God's word together with me there Oh, you know what? It's not Psalm 26. It's Psalm 102. Psalm 102, verse 26. <laughs> so, sorry about that, church. Psalm 102. And if there's only like three verses in Psalm 102, I give up. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for your help there. Um, let's start in verse 24. This is just so, so sweet and so rich. As we prepare our hearts for communion. Oh my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days. You whose years endure throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. Speaking of the heavens. Speaking of the foundation of the earth. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that powerful? You are the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring, there's that word again, their offspring shall be established before you. Yes, indeed, 
their offspring shall be established before God who remains the same, whose years have no end. All those will perish, but God remains. Brothers and sisters, the children of your servants shall dwell secure all because of what Jesus Christ did in His death on the cross. Forgiving His people of their sins. Dying on the cross in our place, church. Receiving in His body the wrath that we deserve for our sins so that we might be saved and so that we might go to the promised land called heaven so that we may dwell secure. Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Take my yoke upon you. Matthew 26, verse 26. Jesus was about ready to go and suffer on the cross for our sins. Jesus was about ready to die and to suffer His body to be broken. He, as Tom led us in worship this morning, He endured our agonies as we sung. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame. When He suffered His body to be broken, it was humiliating, church. He barely had any clothes on. He hung up on the cross in front of His own family. And He was regarded as being under the curse of God. As cursed as anyone who is hung on a tree. He was regarded as God forsaken because He was God forsaken. He was God forsaken so that you and I might not ever be God forsaken. He suffered His body to be beaten so brutally because of His great love for you. As we ponder what the Lord Jesus has done, let us remember that He said on the night that He was betrayed, Matthew 26, verse 26, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is My body. Let us with joy and solemnity remember the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ as we partake of the bread this morning, church. Not only was Jesus' body broken, but His blood was shed. And that blood was redeeming blood that flowed down. It was blood that was our ransom. To pay the ransom price so that we might be delivered out of our slavery to sin and death and Satan. And instead of that, be set free. Instead of that, to have our steps dwell secure forever in heaven. All because Christ atoned for our sins, and satisfied the wrath of God in our place. Aren't you so thankful that He did so? Let us remember the shed blood of our Lord Jesus that has atoned for all of our sins for those who believe. Thank you, Lord. Tom, if I can have you and the worship team return, we're going to close with singing the song, All I Have is Christ. And church, if you could stand with me, let's pray and ask for the Lord to just have mercy on us as we sing that our love for Him would deepen as we continue to study His Word.
let's let's pray and ask for God to bless our, our, our singing. Lord, we just thank you so much for your suffering and your death on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for your resurrection. Lord, you are all we have. And even as we sung earlier, Lord, there's no righteous deeds that we have ever done or could ever do that would ever, ever make up for the sins that we've committed against you. The good news is, though, Lord, that you sent your only Son to fulfill your law. And Christ was a spotless lamb when he died on that cross for our sins. And Jesus, we want to thank you for at every point being tempted as we are and yet being without sin. Thank you so much for fulfilling the law in our place. And thank you for, Father, crediting Christ's earned righteousness to us and our justification. We we can't thank you enough, Father, for justifying us like you have through faith, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, your Son. Almighty God, thank you so much for sending Jesus to shed his blood to atone for all the wicked sins that we had done. All we have, Jesus, is you. You're all we have and you're all we need. And we love you so much. Receive our worship as we sing in praise to you and prepare our hearts to fellowship even further with each other at Coin and Near. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship, church.
Thank you. We love you so much. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for suffering your body to be broken. Thank you so much, Jesus, for suffering your blood to be shed, to save wretched sinners for yourself, and to call us your very own, a people of your own possession, your own treasured possession, as we'll see in the coming weeks. We love you, and we're so thankful. Lord, if there's anybody here who has not yet repented of their sins and trusted in you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would do so. Because only you can save from eternal hell. Only you can deliver us and save us. And those who do, Lord, their sins will be forgiven like ours have been. Lord, I pray you'd bless them with that gift if they haven't been blessed with it already. Let no one in this room, Lord, walk out of here unrepentant, and unbelieving. Grant them godly sorrow and repentance. Grant them saving faith that they might enjoy you forever in the promised land together with us. I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, uh, uh, Jason asked me to uh, pray for our food before we begin, and then I'll have John come up and just give a few instructions as well. So, John, why don't you come up next to me? And uh, let's pray for our meal, okay? And ask for God to bless our meal. Lord, thank you so much for our koinonia lunch. Thank you for the fellowship that exists in our church. Deep in our fellowship, deep in our love for one another as we gather together and enjoy some good food and good friendship and fun conversation. We thank you so much for calling us your people and gathering us together like you have. We love you, Jesus. And we're so glad that you're in our midst together with us even right now. In Jesus' name, amen.